0: Welcome to the tap room exclusive. I'm Dean Zarball. I am here at Bookhouse Brewing uh, on West 25th. I'm with Vaughn Stewart. Vaughn, uh, thank you for having me out here, first of all, and uh, thank you for being on the show. This is my first time here. Um, you guys just opened pretty pretty recently, uh, last September. Is that right?
1: Yeah, right around then. Yeah. Let's see. We had a, so we had a soft opening in uh, September, and then our grand opening was October 6th. Okay. Yep. Uh, so yeah and, and you know so since then it's been uh pretty crazy opening a new business you know brewery yeah. and uh but yeah it's been good good
0: yeah. uh for being a new brewery, uh mm-hmm. tell the people a little bit about yourself and what bookhouse is, what do you guys like to focus on um, you, you guys have a really nice atmosphere in this in this building Thanks. Uh, I've seen a lot of people you know post about this place, so g- give the people who might be unfamiliar with bookhouse a, a little rundown of of what everything is here. Sure. So um,
1: Bookhouse Brewing, it, it, it
0: kind of harkens
1: to our, our philosophy, uh, the name meaning kind of thoughtful hospitality. And that's that's really what we try to focus on and what our, our taproom is kind of designed around as much as possible. Um, really, it, it came together in a really fortuitous way because the the building and the space itself has a lot of history that we're just trying to kind of honor and do our best to uh, to preserve and present in a good light. Um, and so, so part of that, part of the story of the building in the space, they're, they're twined together with the, with the brand itself, with the, the brewery itself. Um, and so this building where the tap room is, was, was built in 1866. Oh, wow. Um, as the home for Jacob and Magdalena bear. Um, they opened the bear brewery, which is spelled B A E H R. Um, They were German Mennonite immigrants and, uh, yeah, they, so they set up this family brewery here and, uh, Jacob died after about, about seven years of running the brewery and left it to Magdalena. Um, she ran the business until about 1901 when she sold to the Cleveland Sandusky, uh, it's like a brewing conglomerate kind of thing. It's pretty common around that time. And, uh, But yeah, so she, Magdalena, was known as Cleveland's Widow Brewer, and so there's a whole history there, and that kind of ties into the name of our our Pilsner, but we'll circle back on that. But in any (laughs) case, yeah. So the space itself, um, after that, it served a number of purposes, including as a a tin um, manufacturing kind of place, uh, machine shop, a handful of kind of standard Cleveland light industrial things.
0: Yeah, it's gone through a few changes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, But... uh, the nice thing is, especially in the room we're in, the the tin uh, that would have been made here and shown here, this would have been kind of a showroom, we oh, believe, nice. for that yeah for that tin making process. So, um, it's mostly we just kind of left a lot of what was here already intact, um, and then the the brick of the original house, you know, most of it is still intact, and so we kind of touched some things up here and there, but um, really just tried to keep a lot of the historical character on display. Um, And it's really, again, our our sort of philosophy is is just wanting to be, wanting people to be comfortable, Mm -hmm. wanting it to be a fairly laid back place. Um, We don't have TVs. um, We really want to focus on, you know, community conversation, that kind of thing. And doing that over a beer. Yeah. Getting to know the person
0: sitting next to you. Yeah, exactly. I like that. That's, uh, you know, you go into a lot of places. Everybody's just kind of looking at a TV or looking at their phone Mm -hmm. or something. They're not really we're not really interacting with the people around us anymore. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to kind of get back to that and have a place that that wants to be the, you know, the the place to do that. Yeah, Uh, So that's awesome. I really appreciate that you guys do that because we definitely get lost in technology these days. Yeah. Uh, And it's nice to just sit down and enjoy a beer with somebody and talk. Mm -hmm. Um, And you guys, you know, you're, you're in a great location for beer uh, in, in Cleveland. You're right here off West 25th. I mean, there's so many great breweries around. You got great lakes and market garden and everybody like right. A stone's throw away. So that's got to bring a lot of people in Mm -hmm. uh, to you guys and, and the, the, uh, passport program too, uh, yeah. I'm sure it's just bringing a lot of new eyes to uh, to this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the passport
1: we we just missed the cutoff for the previous year. Yeah, but we're going to be on it in this coming uh, printing. So so yeah, I, I think we're really looking forward to that.
0: That's good. Everything yeah. I've heard about that passport's been amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it's it's definitely a great uh, area for tourism, for beer tourism. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, Market Garden and Great Lakes right down the street. Saucy's a thousand feet away. Yeah. Um. You know, brick and barrels right down the hill, uh, Forest City, uh, Hansa. There's there's no shortage of great beer to be had in Ohio City.
0: And that's what that's what's fun is getting out and trying all these places. You can park one place and just walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. It Gives you some yep. nice exercise to go along with the beer that you're going to be drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So what got what got you started in in beer? What, how'd you get brewing?
1: Yeah. Well. Um. So I I guess. The, the, long, the slightly long version is I, I graduated from Ohio University with a degree in music recording okay. in uh, 2008, and uh, that was kind of at the height of the recession, and it was kind of a dying-ish industry anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, I started homebrewing just as a hobby, and uh, that kind of led to a job in retail, selling supplies for Northern Brewer in okay. Milwaukee. Um, so sold homebrew supplies there for about two years, then moved into management and marketing, up in the Twin Cities for them. Um, Did that for a couple more years, and then kind of got the itch to start brewing professionally. Went to brewing school online at the Siebel Institute. Oh, nice. Uh And uh, at the same time started working as a cellarman and brewer at Arcadia Brewing Company. Oh, very nice. Mm -hmm. Um, That was originally in Battle Creek, and then uh, after about a year when the Kalamazoo facility was built and came online, um, I started in a, a brewing manager role there. Um, and yeah, worked there for a bit, um, and then moved to Cleveland to, uh, run operations at Portside. Okay. Um, yep. And so I was at Portside for about a year and a half until they, um, kind of closed their doors. And then, uh, after that started working on this, um, and this, this whole operation started pretty much right about a year to the day that things at Portside ended. Oh, wow. So, Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and then I've been obviously doing doing things here.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you guys, you've been doing some awesome stuff here. It's nice to always see people on like the Facebook groups and stuff posting about their first time coming here and and stuff. It's great to see, uh, everybody getting to know that you're here now and you're, you're making some great beer, uh, go into the Pilsner a little bit about what, uh, what was the, the idea behind doing a Pilsner, You don't see... Well, that's kind of a growing trend now is getting back into the Pilsners. And I like Mm -hmm. seeing that. I like Pilsners. I like loggers. What was that uh, inspiration for you to get back into that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... I think it, it's funny you kind of caught yourself mid sentence there when when it's like you want to say you don't see him, but right. actually you kind you of do. do now. And it, yeah, so it's fun. Uh, um, I think especially in Cleveland, I think Cleveland has such a history with you know Great Lakes having built a lot of what it has done on Dortmunder mm-hmm. um, and, and Christmas Ale, but but you know, and and so Lager I think has been an important part of Cleveland brewing culture for a long time. And really, it's just kind of trying to pay uh, pay homage to the fact that it's it's a strong part of the culture. Um, it also ties in well because we our, our Pilsner is called Magdalena Pilsner. Oh, so nice. you'll recall that it was the name of, of the proprietress of the brewery here. Um, and then I kind of like took that to the next step and said, well, she was around at a certain time and a certain period of brewing history. And so it's modeled after uh, a, a kind of Pilsner that would have likely been made by the Bear Brewery. Oh, you know, nice. Between 1860 and Kind of like a throwback Pils. Mm-hmm. So we call it a pre-prohibition pilsner. Nice. Um, yeah, and so really the distinguishing factors there is uh, the, the malt bill has uh, six-row barley instead okay. of two-row barley. Um, there's history behind that. Mainly six-row is kind of hard to find nowadays. Okay. Um, it used to be preferred by industrial brewers because this is kind of the whole point of making the pilsner this way is you would use uh, 25 to 50% corn. And that okay. corn would work well with the barley to create a beer that is light, um, refreshing, uh, and uh, clear without a lot of filtration. Okay. Um, so it serves a number of technical goals as well as flavor goals. But um, our interpretation of it is pretty straightforward with about 75% six-row barley and 25% flaked corn. Okay. Um, so it's still a very much a, a full-bodied multi beer, um, but just with a little bit of a crisp finish from that corn. Um it's fermented with the most common lager yeast in the world. Uh it's what pretty much everyone uses to make lager, um, because it's a very good and easy yeast to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh and the hops are uh, US sterling. Um sterling's a variety that was developed in the Pacific Northwest uh, as a replacement for uh Czech saz. Okay. Which, you know, you would know from lager history yeah. as being, you know, the preferred hop. But saz as a hop is pretty difficult to grow. Um really only likes to grow in certain regions and just has problems. So Sterling yeah. was developed to be uh, flavor-wise and aroma-wise and whatnot, very similar to, to Saz, but easily grown in the U.S. and so on. So anyway. Yeah. Um, More accessible. Yeah. And so the beer itself, yeah, is uh, fairly um, – has a firm bitterness, uh, but it finishes fairly light and refreshing. Um, I really – I mean – the concept of of a gateway beer, it, it, it's it's somewhat I don't know um, imperfect or insulting, okay. I guess to yeah. some extent, but um, it really I think it does serve well for all kinds of drinkers. Whether yeah. you're like an experienced craft beer drinker or just getting into it, like it's just a very approachable, drinkable, tasty beer.
0: See, so, like uh, I I always tell the story. My grandfather was very much a he was Bud Light. Mm-hmm. That was his right. beer, and He'd drink Dortmunder and stuff, you know, going into, like, what you were saying about the culture of getting people into that. But he never really did craft. He never really considered himself a craft guy. But he's the kind of guy that likes just a pilsner. Yeah. So he would come in probably, and I, I put that in front of him without telling him what it is or whatever. Right. And he would drink it right up. Right. You know, right. and so it's it's a great it, – it, uh, it makes – everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes the craft heads who really want to nerd out about it happy. And mm-hmm. then it makes the guy that's a blue collar worker coming in for an after work beer happy. Cause it's beer.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a little bit of kind of, a, a, another piece of our, uh, of my kind of philosophy is like, to some extent, I think that as, as the concept of craft beer is evolving, um, and as the market is, as people are trying to figure out like where the market is, where we can go, um, I, I think that increasingly you're seeing brewers and breweries trying to meet people where they are rather than push them to where they want to be. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a healthier attitude towards growth and, and inclusion anyway. Yes. Um, so it's it's more of that kind of thing. And I we can get into this a little more too, but like for me, a lot of what I think about as far as just the beer as separate from the environs of the taproom, which is not to say the taprooms are not important, but that – The beer should be able to stand on its own um, as something that you can enjoy and that can facilitate, you know, conversation and connection. But uh, basically, I think of it as you should almost be able to ignore the beer and to focus on the person you're talking to, and you know, to the interaction you're having. The beer is just there to kind of, you know, act as background noise or or pleasant accompaniment. Um, And if if the the beer, yeah, well, but it's also like. If the beer is so is too interesting or is too uh, challenging or is too whatever, it's drawing your attention away. And that to me, that's not the goal of, of the beers that I brew. Gotcha. I want I want the beer to be secondary to whatever else is going on and whatever the else experience. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I saw you guys now do, you got the, got the three pack Crowler mm-hmm. holders. True. I, I, ne- I, uh, I, I, really like, I didn't know about those. Uh-huh. I didn't know they did like three packs and like, yeah. I, I was somewhere I was, I think it was at masthead and I, I saw something that my dad wanted and I ordered two for him and I was like, Oh, I want two things of my own. And I didn't think that they did three, so I, I basically had an extra one, and I was like, oh, this is... But it's nice to be able to take it home yeah. and enjoy it and be able to still exper- do the experience at home. Exactly. Like, to what you're saying is you, c- you can take the beer out of the tap room, mm-hmm. drink it at home, and still enjoy it and still create experiences with the people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's what I like about this industry. I really think that uh, trying to bring people together uh, around something is is a really admirable uh goal for everybody and and i think you know when you hear about how many breweries there are you know just in cleveland not alone just ohio mm-hmm. it's nice to see how big it is but how small it is at the same time because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know we all we all interact with each other and it's just it's really nice to have that common goal of beer and we can all help each other out and it's not, it's not like a rivalry thing. Right. Right. It's been really fun to experience that over the last year of doing the show is just to see, you know, you think in most industries, you know, okay, this guy is right next to me. He does the same thing as me. Oh, I you know, I want to, I want to get that guy out of here, but it, in the beer industry, you don't hear that. Yeah. You're like, Oh man, let's help this guy out. Yeah. And I think that's really awesome. And you guys do a lot of community minded events around here too, don't you? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a great thing. You, uh, a lot of fundraisers and stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. We do, we do our best to to work with uh, all kinds of groups and, and do all kinds of different events. Um, you know, a number of them have kind of a literary or, or, or book focus, but, but it's not exclusive to that um, by any means. And really, a lot of what we're trying to do is to respond to what is going on in their community and what our patrons want to see, what uh, just people in the community want to see, and also then, you know, what we can do to make people who, who may not even know we exist to bring, our, bring ourselves in front of their eyes mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, uh, you say you have an interest in, uh, in, in poetry or in uh, local authors or something like that. If we can do something that gets those people in the door and, and just, just kind of gives them the chance to see what we're on about, uh, you know, we're not, maybe we're not necessarily going to get every single person to come back every single time, mm. but it's still, to me, that's still a huge, um, benefit in, in just increasing the possibility that someone will know that we're here and this is what we're about and this is what we're doing. So there's, there's a lot of things I think that, that we can do with, um, community events and local events and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. I, I love, uh, I love the community mindedness of this, of this, uh, community of beer. (laughs) Um, anything else that you want to get out about Bookhouse or the Pilsner before we, uh, head out to next week's episode?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I think in terms of things to look forward to and other kind of little notes, um, we have a a small stage that we've built, um, and we're looking forward to doing a little more with that. We're just finalizing some paperwork and Mm -hmm. city related things. Um, but in terms of doing more with with live entertainment of one nice. sort or another, um, that's kind of coming down the pike. And then um, we we do a lot of people ask about food and things like that. Um, we have a pretty uh, a pretty robust schedule of uh, food vendors, pop ups on uh, especially Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, but we also always have bar snacks and uh, we do hot pasties. That's kind of our thing. Nice. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, and oh, and then uh, one other little thing uh, we'd make um, cider. We're a licensed winery. Oh, nice. So I make cider um, and always looking to grow that, do some more experiments and just kind of try to, again, meet people where they are rather than pushing them to where I think we, they should right. be.
0: Right. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Vaughn, thank you so much. Uh, tune in next week for part two of the bookhouse feature.